This is a Music Therapy Chronicles podcast episode with Laura Elliott Buckner. Oh, and so I found this podcast and I was like, okay, we vibing, we vibing. I'm liking this. And, but, and like I kept listening, kept listening. I was just like, there's not really like my specific situation being autistic, being multiply queer, which is what I like to say, because I'm non-binary, genderqueer, and I'm also a lesbian, like, and then how that intersects with my autistic identity and also being hard of hearing too, like multiply disabled, like there's not really a lot of talk in like any situation about intersecting identities. And um, when I first started my degree program at my university, I'm also doing a graduate certificate in diversity and inclusion. And I was doing research about the music therapy profession and like most of the music therapists are like white women. Yep. And white non-disabled women at that. Yep. So we got to do something here to make this profession more inclusive, more accessible. And I know there's like a lot of queer music therapists. Like I have met some, I've talked to some on Facebook groups and um, you've interviewed a couple on the podcast, but it's just like, there's this like intersectionality of it all, how everything weaves together and like completely changes my experience from what has been like talked about. Mm. So I just wanted to like, I was like, I, this needs to happen. <laughs> this needs to happen. There's going to be someone further down the line who listens to this podcast and thinks like, oh, I am multiply disabled and queer and someone's talking about it. You're listening to the Music Therapy Chronicles, a podcast about music therapy from a variety of perspectives. Our ambition is to inspire and connect listeners through meaningful conversations, just like a music therapy conference you can listen to anywhere. My name is Trisha Kayati. I'm your weekly host and a board-certified music therapist from the New England region. If you're enjoying the show, please subscribe so you never miss an episode and consider leaving us a rating and review. We really appreciate them. You can find more podcast episodes, links to our pod courses, the self-care community, links to all of our social media, and get on our monthly newsletter all at musictherapychronicles.com. Thank you so much for choosing to listen to this show today. And you can always reach me by sending an email to hello at musictherapychronicles.com. Welcome back to the Music Therapy Chronicles. Thank you so much for being here today. I'm really grateful that you have decided to be over on this little corner of the ethers or the internet with us. Today's conversation with Laura is a really good one, very profound, very insightful. I really enjoyed talking to them and I hope that you, the listener, also get a lot out of this conversation. And if you are in a very similar situation to Laura's and you're listening to this conversation, um, you feel seen, you feel validated. I hope that you 
feel like experiences similar to yours are being shared and should you decide or have an interest in being on the show yourself I'd love to hear from you you can reach out to me by sending an email to hello at musictherapychronicles.com I would be so grateful to be able to have more conversations like this and um, have more people feel like they are represented represented and that more communities are being heard on the show. So like I mentioned in this episode, um, I get scared sometimes reaching out to people because I don't want my intentions to be misconstrued uh, for inviting people on the show. But I would love to have anyone, anyone who's interested in sharing their experience and um, trusting me with that conversation and trusting the audience to hear it. So Anyway, that's a little bit of a tangent. I'll also say that at the end of all of the show notes, there is an episode feedback survey where you can anonymously enter any feedback you have on any episode um, and just kind of like share your thoughts, good, bad, or ugly, whatever you feel like I need to hear as the person hosting and running the show, I am open to hearing what you have to say and want to make sure that I am growing along with this show and our profession and the listenership. Um, that's why this is called the Music Therapy Chronicles, because it's a chronicle. It's ongoing. It's growing. It's not stagnant. Um, things are going to change. Even just listening back to episodes I recorded you know, a couple months ago to a couple years ago, there's a lot that I've learned and would probably do differently, but still feel like the information in those episodes is valid and a good representation of um, the information and sentiments of the time. And, you know, now as we learn more and grow more, these more current conversations are a good representation of current time, <laughs> I guess. So, Anyway, yeah, the episode feedback survey is always in the show notes. You're welcome to use that. And if you or someone you know wants to be on the show, let me know by sending an email to hello at musictherapychronicles.com. Uh, anyone is welcome to come on the show anonymously if that makes you more comfortable. And if, you know, there you want to be on as a group of guests or if there's an interest in a, a compilation episode where people kind of send in short snippets on a certain topic and then we put them together, I would love to do that as well. So yeah, kind of putting that that into your hands, the listeners, if you would like to see that happen or would like to contribute to that, I would love to know. I also want to let you know really quickly that MTPC, the Music Therapy Podcast Collective, is currently running a vault sale. So what that means is one of our pod courses is going into the vault. The vault is the place where pod courses go when they're no longer up for sale. We might revamp them and re-release them in the future, but for now they're kind of just sitting there till we decide what to do or see what the future holds. So the awesome pod course Developing Your Inner Music Therapist by Brian Lacasio of Voices of Music Therapy podcast is going into the vault on April 1st, which means that it is on sale at the sale price of $50 for five CMTE credits until March 31st. All right, so, and if you purchase that pod course, you have until May 1st 
to complete it to get the five CMTE credits. Links to that will be in the show notes and please check it out before it goes away into the vault. That's my final announcement for today. Let's get into this conversation with Elliot. Welcome to the Music Therapy Chronicles, Laura. How are you doing today? I'm doing really good. Been a pretty chill Sunday. Good. I'm glad to hear that. And I'm excited to get into our conversation today um, because I know it's going to be a really insightful one for a lot of people. And I'm just excited to hear your take on everything and your perspective and your story. Yeah, it'll be fun. <laughs> so to start us off, can you tell the listeners about yourself and it can be music therapy related or not? Well, my name is Laura Elliot Buckner. I go by Laura or Elliot. I am a lesbian. I am trans, non-binary, genderqueer. Uh, that, yes, all of those labels are important because <laughs> you have your little trans umbrella. Then underneath the trans umbrella, you have your non-binary umbrella. Then underneath non-binary, you have your genderqueer. So that's, that was, that's, that's kind of me. I am autistic and I am white and I am hard of hearing and those are all of like my cultural factors. I'm also a daughter and yes I still use daughter even though it is a gendered term. Um, I am a friend and I am a music therapy intern and I am in a master's equivalency program so right after my internship I'll just keep going with school and finish out my master's degree. Um, and I have an under uh, music therapy, not music therapy, music education undergrad degree, which has been really helpful in my internship, especially working in the schools with little children. My classroom <laughs> management skills are like, I pride myself on those. And just, I just like people and having a good time. And I'm a good friend. All my friends will say, oh yeah, they're a great friend. <laughs> I pride myself on that too. Yeah, that's definitely something to be proud of. And it's awesome that you have friendships um, with people who are open to saying that because I know some that's something like I have been exploring more in the past few years is like verbalizing more openly with my friends. Like, hey, I really value this about you or I really appreciate that we could have a conversation like this or, you know, I love you dearly, but I really wish we could do X, Y, Z more or less. So that's awesome that your friends are able to kind of communicate that stuff with you. Yes. And I've literally said, I need a verbal affirmation and positive reinforcement. Otherwise, I'm just not going to know. <laughs> gotcha. So. Yeah. Yeah. I think we all need that more in life. Just like those reminders, because otherwise we just get in our own heads, right? Oh, yeah. I live in my own head. <laughs> Well, thanks for including us today. We're excited to be here with you. Yes. Welcome to my brain. It's going to be a wild ride. Love it. So tell the listeners how you found music therapy or like what has changed your course a little bit um, to do your master's in music therapy. Right. So my undergrad was music education. And then spring semester of my junior year in undergrad, I took an elective called intro to music therapy and i was like this is what i want to do with my life and 
I was really serious about it, so I met with my professor, and she helped me find a great equivalency master's program because I was like, why would I just get another undergrad degree? Because I knew I wanted to get my master's in something. Mm. And I was just like, I'll just do this. That way I can practice as a music therapist and have my master's degree because, you know, that does help with money <laughs> occasionally. Um, also, I just like going to school. <laughs> If I could be a professional student and just go to school and do music therapy and like do like advanced practicum like all the time where I'm like supervising other practicum students and just be a GTA forever, <laughs> that would be great. I love school and I love music therapy. So um, that's kind of how I got there because I just like how music therapy combines like the helping professions and music and I love being a music teacher. Like I still use my, I teach private lessons um, uh, to a young woman with Down syndrome and I love doing that. My music education background's helped me there. My music therapy has helped me there. Um, but it, in regards to like teaching in the classroom, I wanted to like expand on that. Like mm -hmm. I wanted to to utilize music, not just for teaching music for music's sake, which is important and it's very valid. And I love all of my music teachers that I've had have been wonderful. Um, but I wanted to just do something different and help people in a different way. Yeah. But how cool that you're also interested, like maybe long-term in doing supervision and kind oh, of like yeah. staying in the school setting. So it's like music education of music therapy. Like it's right. work. <laughs> Yes, I know. That's why, like, after I finish my internship and get board certified, I'll be eligible to be the GTA at my university. And because you can't be the GTA until you're board certified, because mm -hmm. then you're like going to school full time, but also working 20 hours a week supervising other practicum students. Yeah. And they like partner you with different local organizations that we use for practicum. And so that's like my my ultimate next step <laughs> after I finish internship is to get that position and be like, listen, I can teach and I can do music therapy. Let me do this. Yeah, that's definitely a skill set, um, obviously, because people go to school for it and whatever. But mm -hmm. I have noticed in different settings that I have worked in um, being able to be around teachers because usually like I'm leading the session and the teachers are supporting, but if there's times where I can observe teachers, not even just music teachers, but in general, like they, things just click to them in a way that I have not been able to internalize until I see it in action. I'm like, oh, like that makes sense. I should explain this this way, or I should handle this this way, or, you know, just things that teachers have ingrained in them that we as music therapists might miss out on. Um, so yeah, that's really cool that you have the best of both there. Yes, it is. I agree. And it's fun. That's like yeah. my fave. Cool. So tell the listeners, you know, what kind of sparked this conversation, like for you being interested in the podcast and coming on and what you want to Oh talk yeah, about. for sure. So I started listening to this podcast back in January of 2021, because that's when I started my internship and... They were like, hey, for this first week, like we don't have many clinical hours for you. Just go home and research, listen to podcasts, count that as like your non-client hours. Mm 
Love that. Um, they literally said, listen to podcasts, read some articles podcast and i was like okay we vibing we vibing i'm liking this and but and like i kept listening kept listening i was just like there's not really like my specific situation being autistic being multiply queer which is what i like to say because i'm non-binary gender queer and i'm also a lesbian like and then how that intersects with my autistic identity and also being hard of hearing too, like multiply disabled, like there's not really a lot of talk in like any situation about intersecting identities. And um, when I first started my degree program at my university, I'm also doing a graduate certificate in diversity and inclusion. And I was doing research about the music therapy profession and like most of the music therapists are like white women and white non-disabled women at that. Yep. So we got to do something here to make this profession more inclusive, more accessible. And I know there's like a lot of queer music therapists. Like I have met some, I've talked to some on Facebook groups and um, you've interviewed a couple on the podcast, but it's just like, there's this like intersectionality of it all, how everything weaves together in like, completely changes my experience from what has been like talked about mm. so I just wanted to like I was like I this needs to happen <laughs> this needs to happen there's gonna be someone further down the line who listens to this podcast and thinks like oh I am multiply disabled and queer and someone's talking about it yes yes I totally agree with everything you said and I am really grateful that you felt comfortable coming and joining me on the show and I'll just open it up to anyone listening reach out I'd like to think I'm not that scary but if I'm scary then like <laughs> I'm sorry no like my know. like reach out it was it was funny because like my email was like you should email these types of people you should interview these types of people and I was like wait interview me <laughs> yes yes but also, it just kind of like, turned into that totally I I reach out to people, but also I never want to seem like I am fishing for a certain type of guest right. and like I am inviting them onto the show for the wrong reasons mm -hmm. um, or even the right reasons with like weird intentions. So, sure. Yeah. And like, I get that that's a privileged thing to say. So anyone who wants like, just, just email me, just reach out and I would love to have you on the show. And if I you ever get an email from me saying, hey, come on, um, please know it's from like a really true, genuine place where I want to talk to you and I want to share your story. Should you feel comfortable with that? So that being said, Elliot, take us like what is on your heart and mind right now that you're like, we need to talk about this right now. Oh, my gosh. About so anything, any perspective, of, any part of your journey. Yes. OK. One of the biggest things is like being autistic, especially late diagnosed. And like growing up, like all of my interactions with people were like normal, quote unquote, because like that's normal behavior for a typically developing child, quote unquote. But whereas like now, like you can't see my bed, but there's 28 stuffed animals on it because I need sensory input and I also live alone and I don't get sensory input from anybody. So like sometimes I'm in the field or I'm working and I'm feeling overstimulated or um, 
just overwhelmed and my supervisors are so great I love my supervisors at my internship they've been very understanding but like my friends and my cohort they're literally all married I can't walk up to my friends after a long session be like hey can you just hold my hand and like give me like a deep pressure hug and just like hold me for a really really long time because Mm -hmm. that's like socially inappropriate quote unquote Mm -hmm. you know like I'm not going to go walk up to my married friends and be like, hey, just hold me, please. You know, like this, that's something that's like really, that's been, especially since like this semester, because I'm dealing with a lot. Like I work like four part-time jobs on top of my unpaid internship. So it's just a lot going on. My brain's just like, woo. Yeah. Yeah, you couldn't see my, the listeners can't see my fingers, but I was just like doing a roller coaster. It's literally a roller coaster. Yeah. I would love to get to a place like societally though, where we could, like we were saying, asking in a friendship for what you need. But I would love also if a colleague was like, can I have a hug, like a long, tight hug? Or like, can I have like a hand squeeze or, um, you know, I know some people like like a head, not like a head scratch or maybe a head scratch, but something on the head, something cranial. Right. Like, I would love to get to a place where a colleague would feel comfortable asking me for that. And then I would feel comfortable giving that to them mm-hmm. or even like noticing like, hey, I noticed that like you're doing X, Y, Z. And sometimes when that happens, it's because you need this thing. Can I provide that for you? Yeah, um, I, I do. That place. My co-intern, he's great. Um, we're actually more like brothers. We call ourselves, we have a brotherhood. We're brothers. Because um, I don't really vibe with the word sister, but I don't really revive with sibling. You know, it's just it, another trans thing. It, it's, it's you know. Yeah. Um, but he, both him and his wife, like I've gotten to really know them. Because um, we were, we were really close. We come from the same university. We accepted the same internship. Like we're really close. We see each other almost every day except for weekends like we do have our time apart because you know i've seen you all week um i can wait to yes yes (laughs) um but like i've talked to both of them about it because i like i stay with them on um like wednesday nights because my drive is like an hour and a half from my apartment to my internship so i can't really it with gas prices these days it's not really feasible for me to like drive all the time but it was just like I've got to the point where I'm comfortable enough like telling him like hey this is what I need or like sometimes he will just ask me do you need a hug Mm. (laughs) I was like wow you're so smart (laughs) you know me so well (laughs) yes yes and and like he like he just does things because he knows that I I like them a certain way and he'll just automatically do it I was like, you didn't have to do that, but thank you. Because <laughs> especially like in their home, I like to sit in bright rooms. They like just the natural light coming in. Mm. I really like bright, you know, sometimes I like to turn the lights on. But like when I'm over, they'll turn the lights on. I was like, whoa, you're so nice. Like that's, you You wouldn't have done that if I wasn't here. So thank you. Appreciate it. So it's good that I have both my co-intern and his partner in my life. Um, because they are good friends and like they, like my co-interns literally sees like all of the things that I'm doing because he's doing it too. Mm. <laughs> so like, I don't have to explain why it's overwhelming because he just knows. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
so it's been really cool to like work so well along somebody that like we really care about each other like we were we were really good friends before we even started this and now we're even closer and it's really cool yeah i so a lot of the times i know in like in the music therapy community we talk about like being able to model for our clients um I'm going to say positive behavior. I don't love that word, but I don't have a better one right now. So like when you make a mistake, acknowledging it with the client, like, I'm sorry, I said that, or like I did this last week and I, I shouldn't have done that. Or um, I know sometimes when I'm in classes, I'm an allistic person. So I'll, I'll say that, but I will bring like some type of fidget with me and have it nearby and like use it sometimes when I feel like I need it just so that when a student needs something like that, they feel comfortable asking for it or they see it in use and like put together that it's okay. Like this is a safe environment for you to do what you need to do to benefit from, from this situation. And the other thought I had while you were talking is about the home and the lights. Um, there's this awesome video I'll link in the show notes from uh, a woman with ADHD and she gives like a mini tour of her home and how she has made it ADHD friendly because she's like, you know, I got into the world and it's a neurotypical environment and everything is built for a neurotypical person. But when I'm in my home, I can make it work for me and how she's like gone on this journey to figure out what even works for her. What does she need in an environment to thrive versus trying to turn her environment into, you know, what society says it should be and what she should be adjusting to. Right. So yeah, that'd be yeah. great for sure. And like, Speaking of another thing about being autistic, like a lot of times in the therapy field, like people, person with autism a lot. Mm. And while I have literally never met an autistic person or a person who prefers person with autism as that, they I've never met an actual person who has autism who prefers person first language. I'm sure there are people out there. Like I know that there are people out there that do prefer that language for themselves, but most of the people I've heard use that language are well, well-meaning allistic people and well-meaning non-autistic people, like, like parents who just want the best for their kid or mm -hmm. psychologists or music therapists or people who just like want to support the autistic community. But all of the autistic people, like it's, I have this drink in my hand, my soda. I have my phone. I have my little piggy bank. Where is it? Viewers, you can't see me looking around, but I'm looking in my room for an autism. Where's an autism? Is this an autism? No, it's a Barbie doll. I love this visual. Is, is this an autism? No, it's a pansexual pride flag. Is this an autism? No, it's my fidget squizzy ball. So, like, it's it's in my brain. Like, it's part of who I am. You know? Yeah. So, like, I, when I had duodenitis, that was something that I had in my body that went away with medication. You know? Or I have PCOS. That's something that I have in my body. I have ovaries in my body that get lots of cysts on them. That is something I have in my body. Whereas being autistic, 
being hard of hearing, there are a lot of cultural implications with that, and it makes me who I am. So that's, like, really important. And I'll go ahead and bring this up because I pulled up the article about it. Um, like, the different models of disability. So you have, like, the medical model, which is, like, very, very old. Very, very old. Um, like, they would use terms like the retarded and deaf mutes and spastics, feeble-minded. That dates, like, decades and decades ago. And then there's the social model of disability, which is very wonderful. And But it also kind of, um, it promotes more person-first language. Um, this article that I'm talking about is person first and identity first language, developing psychologists cultural competence using disability language. Um, it was published in April 2015, so it's a little dated. Um, it's by Dana S. Dunn and Aaron E. Andrews. Um, but it's, it's really good. Um, it talks about like the language of evolving disability or like the, the evolving language of disability. And um, the social, here's a quote from it. The social model of disability presents disability as a neutral characteristic or attribute, not a medical problem requiring a cure and not a representation of moral failing. So this is good because it also, it says like, it doesn't need a cure. It's just like neutral. But then you also have the minority model, sometimes referred to as the diversity model of disability, and it portrays a neutral but sometimes even positive regard for disability as a natural characteristic um, or human attribute, not a medical problem requiring a cure nor a representation of moral failing like the social model of disability. However, it takes it even a little bit more. Um, the minority model, the article, like I'm quoting the article here, the minority model asserts that disability is a distinct, diverse, cultural, and socio-political experience and identity. So that's something that like a lot of people don't think about, especially living in a world that's like made for non-disabled people. Like, yes, the ADA is amazing. Like all these buildings have to like be able to be entered and stuff. But like if a building is like X amount of years old, they don't have to adhere to those requirements. Like, I went to um, Cincinnati once, and there were, like, these really old buildings, and I was talking to my friend. I was like, would our friend um, who has mobility issues and is disabled, well, I was like, would our friend be able to go to this building? Like, where's the ramp? <laughs> and they're like, oh, it's X amount of years old. They don't have to be ADA compliant. Like, that's a lot of the things that go in my head. I know yeah. this conversation is just like kind of a wild ride, but, no, but that's pretty important. much that's pretty much every conversation with me is a wild ride. <laughs> I'm still with you because I feel like the the for those of us who are able bodied, neurotypical, um, what should, what can I say? Like the the more readily represented demographic in most situations, uh, like we don't necessarily notice those things. You know, I wouldn't always walk into a building and think, hey, would a person with mobility issues be able to get in here? Would a person with um, 
sight or hearing impairment have difficulty navigating this space? What supports are in place for someone who is not neurotypical and might need like a break in the middle of grocery shopping? Like, is there a place they could put their cart and take a break before going back into the very loud, bright store? You know, things like that. Um, Literally like, me always... in Walmart. <laughs> but it's true. Like, yeah. you can't just like put your cart somewhere and like go sit down, you know, like that's that's not set up for you. <laughs> I texted my brother who I was talking about previously. I'm just going to refer to him as my brother because he really is. I texted him. I was like, I'm going to Walmart. Pray for me. And he's like, call me if you need to. I know how much you hate Walmart. Like, he was readily available for me. Should I? Because normally I don't go to Walmart. No, mm. no. If I'm not trying to bash any brands or whatever. I just don't like that store, the way it's set up and the lights and all that stuff. I do my grocery shopping other places, but I needed an, an item from this particular store, so I had to go there, and I was like, I don't want to go here. <laughs> I don't want to go here. Yeah. But he was just, like, readily available. He was like, you got this. Call me if you need to. Like, it's okay. You can do yeah. it. Well, he was readily to... Like, and every time I go, like, get done grocery shopping, I literally call my mom and I say, Mommy, I did it. I went grocery shopping by myself. And she's like, good job, baby. And, like, people think that's, like, childish or whatever. No, I need that. Like, autistic people, like, we do not like, I can't speak for the whole autistic community. I never want to speak for the entire community. But of all the autistic people I've talked to, we do not like levels of functioning. That's very mm. harmful language. Like calling me high functioning, like yes, that's supposed to be like a compliment because like I live alone, I go to grad school, I'm a music therapy intern, but there are some times when I'm quote unquote low functioning because my support needs are not being met. Mm. So that's why we just like to say I have low support needs means that I don't have many support needs. I have high support needs means that you have more support needs. Because if my support needs are being met, then I can be, quote unquote, just as functioning as my neurotypical, typically developing peers and colleagues. I don't know where that came from. It was all, it was all, it's all related somehow. It is. All, no, I yeah. really appreciate that you shared the preferred language for anyone listening who has not had access to that before. Right. The, the support needs versus functioning level. Um, support needs obviously being the preferable uh, language to use, but also like we should all be able to celebrate the adulting wins in life. Yeah, <laughs> otherwise it gets so monotonous, and it's like, oh yeah, like like it just feels like. At least I'll speak from my experience. Like all these things you just have to do, day to day, week to week, to get through life, and it's just like oh. I gotta go to the grocery store again. I gotta clean the house again. I gotta go to the dump again. I gotta do the recycling. Like, gotta walk mm -hmm. the dog, make food, whatever. You know, it's like sometimes you you need to be able to celebrate those things. Be like, hey, yeah. I like I did my grocery shopping this week. Let's celebrate, even if it's just a text. Like, I love that. <laughs> I bought myself some bubbles to blow bubbles. Yes, because I was like, I hate this store, so I'm gonna buy some bubbles. <laughs> And bubbles are awesome too because they're they're making you breathe more deeply. Yes, and slowly. yes, yes. Yeah. That's literally uh, see. Um, in one of my workshops with a supervisor at internship, he taught us like 
you he, we were using bubbles to learn how to breathe deeply and like you breathe in for four counts breathe out for eight and if you pop the film in the bubble then you're blowing too hard uh -huh. and if you don't blow your bubble then you're blowing too softly and so like i'm like i was blowing bubbles with my brother and i was like should we count this as as non-client hours like yes 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 because we're doing it exactly the way that our supervisor taught us mm -hmm. and don't we always say like hey you should go you should like experience the things that you are putting your clients through right like, you those activities yourself there mm -hmm. you are implementing it yes it's it's great i love that i love that so much but yeah no i got myself bubbles because i went to the grocery store and i also that that time going to the grocery store i went like couple weeks ago so like the first week of March that was my first time going grocery shopping since January wow just because I don't have money <laughs> because I will just say this music therapy is not very accessible for people to get into if they are not of like a high financial like class and see, I'm not like, I'm like, I would like to call myself like mixed class because growing up, there were times when we were more middle class and times when we were more working class. Cause like, I never, I never went without food, but we were like in this middle in between where we didn't have enough money to pay all of our bills, but we weren't quote unquote poor enough, um, to get government assistance. Yeah. So there were times when I would just eat ham sandwiches or peanut butter sandwiches every day. And like my mom was working 12 hours, like 12 hours a day. And I was making dinner for me and my dad, um, just making us ham sandwiches. Yeah. Which is like, I'm, I'm very privileged in that. Like I always had food on the table. I recognize that, but like for presents and stuff, like my parents, like I was, biologically i'm an only child like my parents only have me i do have my chosen family like with my co-intern and like some of my friends who i consider family but like biologically growing up i was an only child so people were like oh you were must have been spoiled get everything you want and i was like no <laughs> no no if i wanted something i had to work for it mm. like i wanted a pair of shoes and my mom said well to get this pair of shoes you have to give me a massage because I've been working 12 hours and um, do your house chores or whatever, which was great because it taught me a good work ethic and I was mm -hmm. helping my mom. But it was just like there's like that that balance and like I have so much student loan debt from undergrad, even though I went to an in-state school. And now I'm fighting to get in-state tuition at this school because I've lived here for like almost three years and I pay all my stuff on my own, but they're still like, well, you came here for school. I was like, I came here more for school. I came here to like start over almost and like be able to be my authentic self and pursue a career that I wanted. Yeah. So yeah, that's my soapbox. That's one of those like, check your privilege. Yeah check your privilege because and like I've heard like so like not so many but a couple of my friends have talked about they're like yeah I didn't have to work during internship and I was like I didn't get I wasn't mad at them because mm -hmm. that's great they had that opportunity to just focus on their internship but I was angry because I don't have that I don't have that luxury 
I don't have a two income household. Like it's, it's me and I am fighting tooth and nail. You know, this isn't like a sob story or anything. This is just like me saying like, we want, I want like my whole goal for this entire profession is to just be more accessible and more inclusive and more diverse because it's kind of not right now, in my opinion. Like, I know I'm just like a little baby intern, but I've done my, I've done my research, done my due diligence, you know? So it's just, that's a lot. I know that was a lot. Okay. I'm gonna take a drink now. But as an intern, like this is your time to look at the profession. Like you are the future. What do you want to see happen? And you're like, these are things that I'm not seeing and they need to happen. And like, okay. So those of us who are here are like, what shifts do we need to do? What do we need to change? What are we not doing? Uh, and I'll just throw this out there, not as like a plug, but as like something that I have been trying to do to help this financial gateway that exists in our profession. Um, for anyone who doesn't know, I run the Music Therapy Podcast Collective. It's a place where podcasters make pod courses that you can purchase for CMTE credits. Oh yeah, so, I heard you talk about that, yes. Yes, okay, so uh, we donate a portion of all of our sales to scholarship opportunities and like research and like other things that we can put money towards to try and support more people in getting into the profession and just getting some financial support um, to, to get in basically. So, Hey, if you want to check out a pod course, that's great. You're supporting the podcasts that you love, but also know that a portion of your sale is going towards that. Um, and that's a huge reason why we started the collective because we were like, there's something we need to be doing something. Also like, pod courses are just like, very accessible for like people who can't who can't yes. afford to travel thank you who can't yes. uh, who can't afford to go to conference all the time like i'm going to um conference this weekend for southeast region um mainly because i'm presenting which is exciting because i've never done before um i'm presenting with uh, one of my professors on a research project we did Love that. but i still had to pay the fee you know but I'm also volunteering to get 25% reimbursement. I sent a request to the school for them to send me funding, which they haven't sent. But my professor was like, wait, they didn't give you funding? I'm going to call them. <laughs> so, yeah. it's, so it's just like, okay, I remember we were talking about, yeah, not everyone can afford going to conference, right? Yeah. Like I've, I've done, even online conferences are expensive. Yes. Which, you know, that happens, but like the, even like, cause like we're, you're paying for the course for the pod course, but you don't have to pay for travel. Mm -hmm. You don't have to pay for a hotel. You don't necessarily have to take off work. Cause you can listen I mean, to it in the car. Yeah, that's literally what I do with a lot of my drive time. Because like I said, I drive almost an hour and a half to get to my location and then almost an hour and a half to get back home. So I listen to a lot of podcasts. <laughs> You're in the right place. But yeah, that yes. was also part of like the pod course. I was like, okay, like they're, they're ideally accessible CMTEs. Like we're trying to do as much as mm -hmm. we can to make them accessible. Um yeah, so it's kind of like this like very circular thing that we've created and I'm glad to hear that it's being well received so far. Yeah. Um, I haven't or I haven't yeah.
done any of the pod courses yet, but you know, I do, I do like that idea. Like I heard that I was like, oh my gosh, this is great. I'm going to definitely do this to get some CMTEs. <laughs> so yeah, you should. we love accessibility. We love inclusiveness. We love diversity. Like that's because for my master's degree, you have to take three classes of electives. And I was like, well, why don't I just take my, um, why don't I just do a graduate certificate? Cause that's only one more class. And so I just mm -hmm. wanted to do diversity and inclusion to learn how like, I can also, I can also use my privilege cause I am a white person and I recognize that I have white privilege, but I also am cis passing, which I have lots of thoughts on that, especially in the Southeast region. And, um, because I do look like a woman, even though I'm not. I sound like a woman, even though I'm not like it's so I have the safety of being cis passing, but then there's the also the emotional like all of my clients are like, oh, she's so great or uh, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am or Miss Laura, you know, like mm -hmm. I always tell my clients, I'm like, you can just call me Laura. If you want to add an honorific, you can call me Mix. Mix Laura. Like, that's fine. Ooh, that's the first yeah. time I've heard that. Yeah, MX period. That's the yeah. that's the that's the gender neutral honorific. Um But yeah, no, it's it's something. It's that's that's definitely been something I'm navigating now that I'm having like more than one. Cause like when I was doing practicum, the way that it worked in the equivalency is that we would just have like one one practicum session a week and then our like our supervision you know and then but like with my clients since i only saw them once a week i was the only one seeing them like we built this rapport all semester eventually i felt safe coming out to them and so i was just like hey just use they them you don't need to call me miss or anything you know but then now i'm having like 18 client contact hours last week mm. My supervisor was like, that's way too much. You should that's only be getting like 16. And I was like, well, if you look at a full-time music therapy job, one of the postings said 20 client contact hours. So it's really not that much. <laughs> I have but, thoughts on that, but I won't. Okay, that's, that's, a different, that's a different conversation. <laughs> but yes, um, but that, that's just because all of my every other week and once a month things all just lined up. So it's normally not that much, but now that I'm seeing all of these people and they're all like, we're in the Southeast region, but we're in like the, the place I live and the place that I do my internship are like these like progressive havens, I guess, mm -hmm. in the state that I live, which is very much a not progressive state. Um, so it's pretty, it's like, sometimes it's hard to navigate because at one of my, locations it's a private school and they're very inclusive they have pride flags you know and i am 100 percent out there in my private sessions i am almost 100 percent out um however like when i'm at the psych hospital i don't know what these people like i may only see them once and i may only i may not i don't know what they think like what their opinions are i don't know how safe it is for me to come out you know, so that's like something that I'm always navigating. Do I navigate coming out and living my true authentic self or do I, and like risk safety 
or do, you know, but my supervisors are great. Like they would never, they, they would say if something were to like not be safe, like you would just leave. Like, it's fine. Like they're, they're very supportive and they've given me like lots of great advice on that. So I like, I love, I love my supervisors. They, they are, they know what they're doing. <laughs> That's what I have to say about them. They know what they're doing. <laughs> That's good because if someone else was in a similar position as you and their supervisors were unaware or right. not sure how to be supportive or didn't even recognize the differences in experience from, you know, like, you know, not understanding why someone who is queer, transgender, non-binary, anything in between might feel unsafe, like not even acknowledging that potential. Um, yeah, it's mm -hmm. it's awesome that you are putting this out there for other students and interns to hear and like feel that um camaraderie but also yeah. for professors and, and um supervisors to hear and know like these are things i need to be aware of and this goes back to the beginning of our conversation we're asking the interns what their needs are like hey up front like you don't need to like disclose anything you're not comfortable with but should you need support in a situation or should you have a life or internship experience that you feel like I need to know about to support you, then like you can tell me. Um, almost like a no questions asked policy. Like if you feel unsafe in this location, tell me. Right, right. Yeah, for sure. And I've like not ever felt, I've never felt unsafe. So that's, that's a plus. I mean, I've been misgendered every, I literally get misgendered every single day. Mm. And it sucks ass. This has explicit rating, so you know, um, sucks ass. Um, but then I partake in self-care and, uh, my brother says, you okay, brother, you need a hug. And I'm like, yes. And my mom's like really learning a lot. Like I sent her something, like I showed, I sent her a picture of me cooking dinner and she said, you go dude. Like that was very, that was very affirming for me. Hmm. Whereas like, my clients will be like, excuse me, ma'am. Hey, girl. I'm like, okay. I was perceived, you know. Yeah. But there's something that one of my supervisors who is openly queer, um, not necessarily to his clients, but to all of his colleagues, he told me, he said, there is power in making a choice, like especially mm -hmm. in how you present yourself. Like the clients can't, or the audience, well, I just called the audience clients. <laughs> the audience can't see, but I'm wearing like rainbow frames. They are very vibrant, very gay. Um, they cannot see my glasses. Like I sometimes wear these glasses like with my kids because they love the colors and like in my more queer affirming spaces, or I can choose to wear like my more business glasses. Like there's a choice in how you present yourself. Like, am I going to wear something that is more ad adherent with my sexual and gender identity, or am I going to choose safety today and mm -hmm. possibly get misgendered? But there is power in making that decision because I just made, I made that conscious effort to make that choice. And that doesn't yeah. make, that doesn't make getting misgendered feel any better, yeah. but it's just like, there's, you chose safety today. And so the fact that you were safe and that you helped your clients, 
that that does make you feel okay yeah uh, I'm going to share a story, and this yes. is from a female cisgendered perspective where I do not have the experience of feeling unsafe with how I um, present or dress or anything. But I used to have my head shaved. And then this thing happened where we had to stay home and my hair kept growing out. I couldn't go to the salon 2022 or 2020. Sorry. Anyway, so my head used to be shaved and like that was just a choice, whatever. And I would have students, clients, people, mostly younger all the time who at some point would have an aha moment and realize that I identified as a woman or that I am a woman. And they you know, would say something never rude, but like you're a girl or I thought you were a boy or did you go into the wrong bathroom? Like, you know, things like that. And to me, it was never, um, it never bothered me because I, like, like I have a lot of privilege that I just mentioned in just being like, no, like this is who I am. This is how I identify. I have short hair, but like, that's it. Um, and then we would just move on. But I, I guess I've always, part of me is like, wow, it's like, good to be able to give that experience to clients mm -hmm. to be like hey you can you can be this and this um, yes but also like I want to make sure that should situations like that come up again that I do it in a way that is affirming for all identities does that make sense like I want to be a good ally and I yes. feel icky saying that yeah like, <laughs> like I do um anyway that's my story from my perspective <laughs> Yes, yes. And that's like, that's important to acknowledge too, because everything in society in general, not just music therapy, but everything in society is so gendered and centered on the gender binary. And like, yeah. why? Like, one time I got my hair cut and my dad's like, your hair's too short, even though it was still like, right here. You know? Um, like Bob. Yeah. Like it was, it wasn't that short. He was just like, he was just, he's very religious. And he was like, your hair is your glory. Like the Bible says this, this, and this, and mm -hmm. that's fine. Like I totally support whatever spiritual religious beliefs you have. Like I'm a very spiritual person myself, but your hair doesn't determine who you are. Your clothes don't determine who you are. Like I'm not out to most of my family. I'm pretty much out as gay. Like I haven't done like a big, oh, I'm gay thing, but like, at this point, people know. Like, at this point, they just know. But people don't know about my gender uh, with my family. So my family's not going to hear this podcast. <laughs> um, my mom will. And maybe my granddad, because he loves me and just wants me to be happy. Um, he's like, I don't understand everything, but just, just let me know. Like, I love you. I just want you to be happy. So... And I have a very supportive cousin too. So there's like three people in my family who will hear this podcast. Hi family. Um, <laughs> yes. Um, but I remember the first time like I wore more mask masculine clothing in front of my dad. And he said, you look like the son I never had. And I said, thank you. And he goes, that wasn't a compliment. Oh. And I said, you know, clothes don't have gender, right? Clothes are fabric. They're fabric. Clothes don't have gender. Clothes don't have bi biological sex. My dad, like, my dad said, that's a boy shirt. And I said, I'm going to be really graphic here. I said, this shirt doesn't have a penis. And he's like, 
oh. And like now, like he just, he doesn't care what I wear. Like he supports mm -hmm. me expressing myself in my clothing however I want. Just in his head, I'm a girl because I haven't come out to him because it's not really safe for me to do that. Yeah. Um, but I will say a positive thing that happened. I had my first wedding gig at the beginning of the month and I wore a bow tie that matched the colors of the wedding. And I was like, mom, dad, we got to get a picture. We all dress nice, look good. He goes, you got to take the bow tie off first. And I was like, really, really? And he's like, nah, I'm just kidding. You actually look really cool with it. It's really cool. And I was like, progress. Yeah. Like, it's sad that we have to, like, the littlest thing has to be progress, but progress. For sure. Yeah. Mm. Whereas, like, being, being autistic and I feel like my autistic and queer identities kind of intersect a little bit because like I just don't want to be in any boxes like I don't want I don't fit any molds of anybody like I'm not neurotypical I don't fit that mold I'm not cis gender heteronormative culture I don't fit that box like there's just no boxes can contain me <laughs> no boxes can contain me I just like live <laughs> that's I mean, ideally, that's how, as a society, we should just get to that point. Like, mm -hmm. I don't, not that I, I want to affirm that, like, people have identities and, like, having words to identify yourself is power. Oh, yeah, definitely. Also, yeah, it would be great to get to a point where, like, it, it didn't matter. Like, right. you know, you're just, like, <clears throat> you're existing with people and, like, nothing they do is surprising or if it is surprising like your next emotion is acceptance just like unconditional acceptance right um like yeah. i definitely I, I definitely like what you said because like yes i don't fit in any boxes but i i cherish the labels that i have because it's part of my identity but also like that doesn't that doesn't confine me mm. yeah you know that doesn't confine me at all So for those listening who have similar experiences, identities, um, I don't know another word, who are listening to this and they're like so much identifying with everything you're saying, do you have like any big advice or like, hey, this has worked for me or this is one of my favorite strategies or like just something that you wish they would hear? Oh shit, that's a big question. I know, I'm sorry. <laughs> you, could, you could like take it and talk on it for as long as you need. Well, first, it's okay. Mm. That is the biggest one. It is fine. And it's not just okay or fine. It's excellent. Who you are is excellent. It doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. Like, yes, there may be situations where it's not safe for you to be, to completely come out about disability or queerness. And there might be situations where you can't fully come out, but that doesn't make you any less excellent in who you are. And I mentioned something about my dad earlier about how he's not very accepting of my queer identity. However, he did teach me this, and it's a motto I live my life by. 
be excellent one day at a time. Mm -hmm. And I've taken that to just like, and if you're, if you feel like you weren't that excellent one day, it's fine. Forgive yourself. You have another day. And you just, you forgive yourself. And then the next day you do your best and you put your best foot forward. Give your, give all of your effort into being who you are and your most authentic self. Another piece of advice I would say is find your people. I know that can be scary, especially like if you're autistic and like with me, it's like the social interactions. Like I'm always overthinking everything. Like if I'm sitting next to my friend and I'm like, can I just reach over and grab their hand and hold their hand, even though we're like 24 and she's married? Like, can I just like do that? Um, like find your people who will, who will support you in what you need. And I really found that when I came to grad school. Like, I moved to a different state, and so I was completely starting fresh. But I found my people who support me in what I need. So, you are excellent in all of your identities. You are excellent. You were made that way. However you believe you were made. Whether you believe that's, like, by a, by a spiritual being or by completely science or by a mixture of the two however you believe you were made you were made excellent number two find your people that's really important because this world fucking sucks sometimes <laughs> especially with the past two years it really does there are good things about it but it's not always that good so you need your people and then number three, don't be afraid to ask for help. Because especially in the music therapy profession, we're like, we're the ones providing services for people. We're the ones providing experiences for people. And we're giving so much of ourselves. And this is pretty much true of almost the whole helping community is mm -hmm. like all of the helping professions. We go and we give and we give and we give and we give. But who's giving to us? How are we feeling? And that kind of like, you know, you've talked with people about burnout before. Like, you don't want to get to that point where you're so burnt out of life. So don't be afraid to ask for help. So one, you're excellent. However you were made, whatever, whoever made you. Um... Find your people. <laughs> I had to think for a second. Find your people. And um, don't be afraid to ask for help. I had to like think about that because my brain was just like going all the different places. But yes, those are big three important things because those are things that I have to do every day. Mm -hmm. It's not something that I'm just like all the way. Like I'm always having to tell myself those three things. It's not, you know... It's not like something that I've accomplished 100%. But those is my big things. I love those. I love those so much. For anyone. Um, like that's just good, good advice in general. But also super affirming and important for people who don't feel entitled to those three things to hear. Yeah. Yeah. 
Oh, oh I love that. Is there anything else you want to get into before we do the rapid fire? Uh, well, this there was a lot of stuff that I said in this. We took a lot of turns in this interview conversation. So, mainly to the listeners, you might have to listen to this more than once because there's a lot of information. I don't even remember half of what I said because <laughs> um, my brain is just like, it's just like all over the place. So, you might have to listen to it more than once to get all the information because it was all pretty important, I think. So, This podcast is sponsored by the Music Therapy Podcast Collective, also known as MTPC, where you can find a variety of CMTE opportunities in the form of pod courses. All of MTPC's pod courses are built on a listen, learn, apply model, where you start by listening to some assigned podcast episodes, then move into learning with the assistance of a workbook filled with resources for you to start your self-study towards whatever topics are most interesting, inspiring, and applicable to your practice. And then we finish with the apply section, which includes an office hour and a worksheet to determine how you are going to apply your learning to your personal life or professional practice. You can find all the Music Therapy Chronicles pod courses on our website, musictherapychronicles.com, and you can find the entire catalog of pod courses at MTPC's website, mtpodcastcollective.com. Make sure you also get on the MTPC newsletter for 10% off your first pod course purchase. Rapid fire, rapid fire. I've been practicing my answers. Oh my goodness. You really do listen to the show. What's the first question? Do you know? Coffee or tea? Yeah. Um, both. Both. It just depends. Um, depends on the situation. Lately, I've been drinking more coffee than tea, but my body doesn't like that. Mm. So, but both. Fair. Mm -hmm. Early bird or night owl? Neither. <laughs> Neither. You always sleep or never sleep? A little bit of both. I try to go to bed early. Like, I go to bed before 11 almost every night. But then I can't get up early in the morning. Like, I want to get up, like, before 7 like or at 7. But I go to bed at 11, and then I sleep until, like, 8.30. And I'm like, oh, crap, I gotta go. So, uh, you know, neither. <laughs> I want to be a, I want to be an early bird. But that just that just hasn't happened yet. I'm trying. I feel yeah. <laughs> Something you'd tell your younger self. You are gay. <laughs> I would literally yell that at myself. Like, <laughs> stop fighting it. Like watching Kim Possible and Shigo comes on the screen. <sighs> she pretty. You are gay. And God made you gay. 
just go with it. Just be happy. Be yourself. Whatever that looks like. Also, I would already tell myself I'm autistic because when you don't find out till you're 19 and then you're like, oh my gosh, my whole life makes sense now. Yeah. I would have I would have done that. You're gay and autistic. It's fine. Now that you know, do something with it. <laughs> yeah. And live your life and embrace it. Yeah. Yes. Yes. What is your music therapy elevator speech? Oh, gosh. I even knew this one was coming, but it's just like... <laughs> this one trips everyone up. It does. It does. Um, I just like listening to all of everyone else's elevator speeches and just kind of combining it into my own. Yes, that's why I ask. But it's just like... It's a helping profession, much like PT or OT, but we use music as our medium to help people. And that's pretty much it. And then I would go into like how it's evidence-based and there's licensure and board certification, blah, 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 if they wanted to know more. But short story, it's like PT or OT, but we use music as a medium to help people. And we do more than just playing kumbaya and sitting in a circle. Because some people have literally... Oh my god! <laughs> I'm totally kidding. I know! Because <laughs> literally some people have like, oh, you just... I do music therapy too. Like, I just play music in my apartment that makes me feel good. And I'm like, yes, that is therapeutic for you. But that's not all that music therapy is. Like you were, you were using music in a therapeutic way, of course, but that's not what all music therapy is. Yeah. Well said. Yes. What's your favorite self-care practice? Oh, I got a lot. Pick um, as many as you want. I like doing puzzles, like jigsaw puzzles. I like watching my comfort shows on Netflix. I literally don't like watching new shows. If I have to, if I... Not have to, but if my friend suggests a show to watch, I say, um, can we watch it together? Because I don't know if I'll like it. Because hmm. I get scared that I won't like it. Like, I, like I've, I get vis viscerally, like, upset. <laughs> I think that's, like, an autism thing. Like, I do not like change at all. So, I watch the same two shows over and over and over again. Um, my comfort shows and my comfort movies um i've recently gotten into cooking like actually cooking not just microwaving stuff which that's cooking in itself that's a type of no no shame to that because i still do that too but i feel good when i cook my meals um i like crocheting but i can only make blankets and scarves um but it's fun and i really like reading i have gotten really big back into reading for fun um because before i just didn't have the time and now i'm like I, instead of like, I was like, do I want to watch Netflix or do I want to read? And so a lot of times I've been picking reading. And my library, my public library has this like bingo board right now going on. It's like a little challenge. <laughs> and it's so fun to just mark off the bingo boxes. Like visit this library location or read some poetry or read a book by, by an artist with an April birthday. Like I'm doing that right now and it's really fun. Yep. Cool. So those are my those are my self care practices. I got plenty to choose from. Now I just need to like actually do them. <laughs> Sometimes like you know it, you don't even have the energy. 
Yeah. You gotta, you gotta focus them like, okay, today self-care is vacuuming. (laughs) Yeah. You know, that's all I got, but I know that that'll give me a little bit more tomorrow than taking a bubble bath will or the vice versa, whatever. Yes. Something that's currently adding value to your life. Honestly, my internship, my internship's like, I, it, it's number one thing in my life right now. It's like the best part of my life right now. Oh, that's so sweet to hear. And, and doing internship with my brother, like that's, that's both him and his, his wife, like they add so much value to my life because I don't have to worry about like going through this alone. And like, if I'm, if I'm like, oh, that session, like it went off the rails and was what happened? Like recently we had a session that was a little bit rocky and my supervisor had to step in and in the session early. Um, and I was like, and I was leading for the whole session up until that point almost. And I, and I, I told, I asked my brother, I was like, did, did I do something wrong? Like, did I do something that was harmful? Like, and he was like, no, like he was there. He saw, he was like, it's, you, you did all the right things. And, and I was like, I just don't want to hurt anybody. (laughs) And my supervisor was like, no, you, you, that wasn't, none of that was on you. They were just dealing with a lot of different things. And, um, but it's just like good to have somebody who you can confide in who's literally going through the exact same thing as you. Totally. So, yeah, it's really good to have that. That's my internship and who I'm doing my internship with is really adding value to my life right now. And it's, I was talking with one of my professors at my university and she was asking me about it and she's like, it sounds like internships going as best as it can. Like, it's not perfect. Nothing's perfect in life, but it's definitely like top tier. Yeah. And I love it so much. That's awesome. Your favorite intervention or song to use in a session? Well, there's a few, but uh, I, cause see, like I'm an internship, so I'm just like getting like all of these million different ones. Yes. And so it's just like, uh, I haven't quite narrowed down like my go-to, um, but anything by Stephanie Level, like any song that she's yes. ever done, like Stephanie Level has saved my bacon so many <laughs> times. I use at least one of her songs every week. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely plugging Stephanie definitely level right here like she's worth it she's She's an amazing human on top of it so yeah like i i haven't met her but you know we've emailed a couple times she's great um and there's this one intervention one activity that all of my kids ask for at the school i'm at i don't know who wrote it but it's called ache and drum and you have this like big drum that like you can draw on with like a little get a little chalk marker and some like a spray bottle and it goes there was a man who lived on the moon on the moon on the moon there was a man who lived on the moon his name was Aiken drum his head was made of and then you ask the kids what his head was made of and then they say like one kid said his head was made of grapes so i drew a bunch of grapes on the drum as his head and then um 
then you go down the, and then you sing his head was made of grapes and during that time while you're singing that the kid who chose the grapes gets to play the drum oh. and so you just go through each kid like literally i bring in the black drum and they know it's aiken drum they see it especially my kindergarten class they're like aiken drums here aiken drums here oh my goodness aiken <laughs> drums here and it's great because it's just using their imagination and literally it's different every single time yeah Kids come up with something different. I hope it's okay if I sang it on the podcast. I don't think it's copywritten. I've never had an issue before. But. Okay. <laughs> so hopefully that doesn't happen now. But, you know, I didn't know how, because I don't know who, who originally came up with it. I just know mm -hmm. that I saw my supervisor do it. And then I probably need to find that out, honestly. But If anyone listening knows, let me know and I'll put it in the show notes to give yes. credit. Um, yes. Yes. It is not an original. <laughs> I will I will give enough credit to say it's not an original um but yes. are anything's original anymore like no really <laughs> like i and i also really like something that i've really come to love are blackout poems like some mm -hmm. people call them different things like where you take the song lyrics and then you underline what sticks out to you and then you mark through everything else and then you read your poem yeah and like i my supervisor led an inner like a led an intervention that was a blackout poem to the song this is me from the greatest showman yeah um and i was just like observing and stuff and participating and i was i after the session i was like i'm really proud of this like this is great like i know this is meant for the patients but like wow i'm gonna go home and like write this down yeah so i really i really like those too because it like there's that element for lyric discussion but also just like creativity and making your own thing expressing yourself like that yeah so three so here's a summary anything by stephanie level aiken drum and blackout poems those are my top three right now it's going to change probably by the end of the semester <laughs> that's okay i love that you summarize things thank you makes my notes really easy <laughs> yes because i know that my my brain is just all over the place but um I and i talked about this with my co-intern brother um and i was like you know we should make a podcast of yes. me just like of me just like talking about random stuff and then him talking with me because he's like very he's he's calm he kind of just like calms me like we are like the perfect balance and um it would be called chasing tangents i love that where I just take chase all of my tangents because it's all related. It's all it related. It's just like I because I, I find myself asking my clients too. like sometimes they'll just randomly say something. And I was like, I do that too. But there's always a purpose behind it. So I say, what made you think of that just now? Where mm -hmm. did that come from? I love that. Because I have to do that to myself. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm going to use that. Because um, that seems like a very accessible way to like backtrack with them. Mm hmm. Yeah. And that. they're like, they're kind of taken aback. Like, what do you mean? And I was like, well, we were talking about this. And then you mentioned this. Mm -hmm. How are they connected? What yeah. made you think of it? I always say to my partner, can you make the bridge for me? Oh, I love that. I'm going to steal that. Yes. Like, like, okay. Like, I know you, I know in your mind that made sense. Make the bridge for me. Like, I don't know. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I love that so much. That's yeah, great. But that's a little metaphorical for some of the people I work yes, with for in, sure. in clinic, but yeah, for sure. yeah, I like that. 
Awesome. Okay. The last question is where can the listeners find you and connect with you? Well, I don't really post a lot of music therapy content, but if you just want to be my friend, um, you can find me. I had to pull up my stuff. Like I literally don't even know, even though you were going to ask, That's you okay. can find me on Twitter, um, on at Buckner Laura at B U C K N E R L A U R A. You can find me on TikTok. I just like posting like most of my TikToks are just like cute little funny. Oh, oops. There's a sound cute little funny things. Um, about being queer and autistic um at laura elliot buckner 34 l-a-u-r-a-e-l-l-i-o-t-t-b-u-c-k-n-e-r 34 because that's my favorite number and i'm not on instagram much but my instagram is kind of i think it's the same what is my instagram oh it's it's buckner laura elliot they're all they're all variations of the same thing um but yeah and you can also email me at um laura.buckner at uky.edu yeah, I don't I don't do I don't I don't post a lot of music therapy things because I'm just like still learning all of the things. But if you just want to like do like learn more about like queer autistic people. <laughs> yes. There there's like you know, just there's all my things. <laughs> and we'll just that. talk about we'll just chase tangents together and be friends. I would love to see that. Not that it has to be in podcast form, um, but I would totally subscribe follow whatever um of course yes. to your content but also if chasing tangents becomes a thing that's also like a super catchy name i love that. yes i i've thought about like because i already am on tiktok so i might like start there and just kind of mm. like do something with that yeah um see if it'll take off or whatever because it's fun to just like talk about random stuff and then it just goes and goes and goes and goes yeah so yeah. yeah. Some, sometimes I wish I had a co-host so that I could do that more, but obviously the guests allow me to do that too. So yes. Yeah. Thank you for, for coming on the show, for sharing your experience, for taking us on the tangents. I feel like I followed all of them, so they didn't feel super scattered. To okay. Me. Okay. Good. <laughs> um, hopefully the audience feels the same way. And if not, like make the bridge. Find out where that came from. See what it sparks in you. Re-listen because Re you'll, then you'll find it. Yes. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this episode. I really hope you enjoyed this conversation and got a lot out of it. If you're looking for more Music Therapy Chronicles, you can check out our website, musictherapychronicles.com, for more episodes, blog posts, social media links, um, contact information, our self-care community, and our CMTE opportunities in the form of pod courses. Hop on our monthly newsletter if you haven't already and follow us on social media for 
just staying up to date on what's going on behind the scenes. We are Music Therapy Chronicles on all of the platforms. Please take a moment to leave us a rating and review. They really help the podcast be more visible so more people like you who are looking for this type of content can find it. Thank you again for taking the time to listen to this week's episode, and I'll see you in the next one. Mm-hmm.